We're just gonna be like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> All right. We we took a break. It's fine. Uh, okay, you wanna you wanna start us off? Yeah, let me like make all of my gross sounds now. <laughs> okay. Got that out of my system. You ready? I'm ready. the dodge button podcast surprise bitch i bet you thought you'd seen the last of me (laughs) it's your podcast for the cheap old indian on sale i'm your host ash vernon and audacity did not save my mic settings and i'm your host jordan hamilton and lewis hamilton was robbed of the world championship that's a a car man right yes that is a a car man he is a a man who is also a car yes (laughs) Part car, part boy, boy car. (laughs) (laughs) The hero we need. (laughs) Um, So, listen, let's just look at the elephant in the room here. We've been gone for seven months. Let's put the Um, elephant on the tiger and yell at it. (laughs) That's that's kind of what I almost said, actually. (laughs) That's why I had to stop and think for a second. I was like, I've mixed too many metaphors. Um, Yeah. Uh, in our defense, Jordan moved. Um, I did, to the other side of the country. Yeah, big move. Uh, now, granted, that was, like, five months ago. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and also, it turns out that, um, if you, uh, aren't actually a games journalist, and you don't actually get paid to make podcasts about playing video games, <laughs> playing six video games a month is hellacious, uh, awful. <laughs> Exhausting. I have, I have such a newfound respect for people whose whole job is this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we we both uh, realized that our relationship with games had gotten both deeply, like, unhealthy as far as time commitment and also just, like, unenjoyable. Yeah, didn't, um, <laughs> didn't like, would rather have done anything other than play video games. Uh, I actually, it right took me a like while. June into our hiatus for me to i just sort of stopped playing games for Same. a while i made a lot of music so, yeah did some creative stuff picked up a new art. hobby yep um didn't play video games but we're back for our end of the year year in review uh yeah. we've got some new stuff because we, we did eventually start playing games again we were gonna do like a, a game of the year uh that didn't come out this year uh, but instead yes. we decided to just kind of talk about the games that were really important to us this year and not try to put uh, necessarily a label on them. Well, and it also turns out that creating a definitive ranking list of games is really difficult when you've got very few games in common. Yeah, <laughs> when, right, right, When you've right, mostly right. played different games. Like, I can't tell Jordan 
if SnowRunner was a good game or not. I don't know. Right. I didn't play it. So uh, instead, we have we have broken up games into a handful of uh, categories, completely arbitrary categories, um, and we're just going to sort of touch on some some stuff you've probably heard before in our other episodes, some stuff we've played while we've been gone, what we liked about it, um, and just have fun with it. We're just gonna we're just this is a some old school early dodge button we're gonna be very streamed of consciousness we're this just... is immensely unscripted not that we've ever been scripted but you know <laughs> no not true every episode before this was was scripted 18 to the finest page detail. scripts storyboarded stage long direction <laughs> we had a stage manager enter stage left ash pursued by bears pursued that's exit i okay Okay, but how fucking cool would it be if it was an entrance pursued Inter- by bears? Interstage left pursued by bears. <laughs> That's how the character's introduced. Uh, sorry, kids. We're theater majors. That was a Shakespeare reference. Shout out to the two of you who got it. Uh, so we're going to start our immensely stream of consciousness year in review. Uh, with a category that doesn't necessarily mean... I mean, it could mean it was an excellent game. But what I think of as the can't stop thinking about it, this has captured my imagination in some capacity. I have not forgotten it since the day I played it. Category. Would you like to get us started, Jordan? Uh, yeah, I'm actually really glad that, that I understood the brief on this one. Uh, <laughs> to, to be clear, Ash came up with basically all of these uh Categories and I just sort and of to guessed. be even clearer, I just sort of made them uh, titles in a Google <laughs> Doc and did not explain what a single one meant. That's right. Uh, so games that I can't stop thinking about. Uh, the first one I'll talk about right quick is called Demons Tilt. Um, we established. We're pretty, back on that pinball shit. Yeah, we established pretty early on in the the dodge button canon that I'm a sucker for pinball games and. Demon's Tilt is, I think, doing modern pinball right. Um, it's using the technology of gaming consoles to build on the mechanics of pinball. Mm-hmm. Um, it adds a lot of, like, uh, a couple of RPG-ish elements. Um, it adds a bit of like a bullet hell vibe to it, not in a way that's overbearing. It, you wouldn't actually, I think, call it a bullet hell, but that's probably the closest uh, descriptor that uh, closest touchstone. Um, now, now, Jordan, I mm-hmm. like most '90s kids. Uh, spent my early years absolutely uh, just all of my time on the space pinball game. On Windows right. 95. That's what computer class was for. That's, yeah, that's all the computer was for, for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what does this game have for me, a space pinball connoisseur? <laughs> so imagine now that you're an adult and you've maybe done some psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, imagine that somebody was like, I really liked that space pinball from Windows 98. But 
I wish there was more. What if like, it was fucked up and evil? Yeah. What if there was like blood <laughs> and demons and like dark rituals and black magic? <laughs> so the the extent of of demons tilt is there's three levels, and each level is a different like uh, sort of mythic beast. There's like a chimera at the top. There's a uh, a dark priestess in the middle, and the the thing at the bottom they call the hermit. Uh, and that starts off as like a floating purple dude and then turns into like a Cthuloid jellyfish. Um, Relatable. But the whole, like, so you're playing pinball, but as you're playing, the objective is to defeat these three monsters by hitting various ramps in the pinball table. Um, but to like answer your question directly, everything. If you liked space pinball, if you like pinball in general, this is a really good fucking pinball game. Fuck yeah. Uh, the thing that has really made me, like, got it in my brain, can't stop thinking about it, is I'm so mad and so impressed that it feels like it took so long. Demon's Tilt came out, like, a year or two ago. It feels like it took so long to look at the, the capabilities of games now and make a pinball game that is actually for the modern generation. A latecomer to the pinball throne. Right. Not only a latecomer, but a conqueror. Yes. Um, yeah, that's Demon's Tilt. Excellent. Um, and that was a, that's a more recent one that you've picked up, yeah? Uh, yeah, I just started playing that within the last couple of weeks. I bought it. Oh, speaking of, actually, while we're talking about it, there's a lot of sales going on right now. So it's many sales the on the PlayStation Store. PlayStation, Switch, get out there, start looking, because there are sales. Did you say um, Zune? No, I said Steam. Oh. But but man, <laughs> the Zune store did have some good mobile games, <laughs> but didn't I, it? But I Back bet, in the day. I bet if you still have a Zune, there are some sales. <laughs> oh, no. That uh, proprietary software has been long since discontinued. Well, RIP to a real one. <laughs> right. Uh. In the spirit of this being a game you just picked up, uh, a game that I have not been able to stop thinking about for almost a calendar year now is Paradise Killer. I remember uh, which, this. I remember yes, this. I did bring it up in a previous episode, so I won't belabor it too much. But it is a, or if anyone missed it, if anyone doesn't remember, it is a uh, mystery game. Kind hold of on, a... hold on, real quick. If you don't remember, go back and listen to that episode. But also, if you don't want to do that, here's Ash. But also, here I am. <laughs> um, so it's a mystery game. You have to, you're a, you're a, the short of it is that you're a detective trying to solve a murder. Um, it gets so much weirder and more surreal than that it is just this hypercolor fever dream of a game it takes place in some other dimension where demons are a thing and you're and like totally normal and you talk to a lady who has like a deer head and it's chill that's it's just, just sounds like the republican national convention <laughs> it's much cooler than that <laughs> But yeah, excellent, excellent game. Really, like, engaged with those mystery mechanics in a fun way. Um, still, like, 
I, I just played that game for like three days straight until I beat it. Um, and it gave me, I will admit, it gave me some pretty bad motion sickness. That's not on the game. That's on me. I am very, very susceptible to first person POV. Your, ba- um, your baby brain. I'm baby. Um, <laughs> so it just doesn't, but, but like I powered through, I powered through the, the motion sickness cause I was just so interested so, in all of the characters. So here's the thing. I remember you talking about this game and I remember you enjoying this game, but when we talked about it initially, I didn't, it didn't strike me as a game you were going to like hold on to for, for well, so long. What is it about it that, that like has stuck with you? Honestly, that's part of why I made this category was because I also did not expect Paradise Killer to stick with me for this long. And it, I guess actually I did, I did expect it to because I was totally enraptured by it the first time. But it just, there was something, now I will admit that, you know, I have, it's been a while since I have really played a proper mystery game. I don't play the like Sherlock Holmes games, Um, but I did really like that genre growing up. I remember some choice Nancy Drew point and click adventure games there's from a, my childhood. There's a YouTuber named Nick Doramio who does a lot. I does, love Nick yeah, Doramio. He does clip breakdown if you've ever watched it. Yes. But if you dig through his catalog, he's got a bunch of streams where he plays old Nancy Drew games and old like point and click horror games. I, I have not seen those. I highly have to recommend go dig those through too. them. Um, but Paradise Killer was just like the world building was so bizarre in the most interesting way. Like there was always a new secret to uncover. There was more going on than meets the eye. I guessed a couple of the big, I guessed like one of the big plot twists and was so proud of myself. But then there was this other plot twist that was so fucking insane that I like never saw coming. So like you get, I I personally got the experience of both that like satisfaction of like, aha, I put together part of the mystery and also like, oh shit, what? Um, That's always good. That's always good in a mystery game when you can solve part of it, but then it still throws you for a loop. And it also, it was more from what I understand, just having watched like reviews of stuff like the more modern Sherlock Holmes games and stuff. Uh um, It, it doesn't lock you in. You're not like, Oh, well, uh, I don't really know the answer, but I've been given three dialogue options, so it must be one of those. Uh-huh. Um, it's the options you have as far as what leads you pursue and what information you have going into the like final trial is 100% dependent upon who you have spoken to and what information you've gotten from them and your ability to use that information in the correct place. Like, there's... A ton of possible endings depending on who you decide to accuse. Um, I just think it's really cool. I'm looking forward to maybe... It's been out of my brain for long enough. I'm looking forward to maybe replaying it and returning to it and seeing if I can get a different ending. Um, Super, super cool. Super weird. Very beautiful. Very stylized. Recommend. I said I wouldn't belabor it and then I think I talked about it for 15 minutes. That's okay, because uh, the next one I'm going to talk about very shortly, because uh, the other game that I have here is called Duskers. Um, I, I haven't actually played, I've played maybe f- five or eight hours of Duskers, but... Um, Sounds like one of those books about a ragtag group of thieves in Victorian England. Child thieves. 
you've almost got the flavor there, except it's a sci-fi game. That's wild. The the great the whole, naming convention then. The whole idea is that you're the the universe essentially the the solar system you're in it has gone dark, mm-hmm. uh, and there are ships everywhere, and you are a drone operator. So you have your own ship, and on that ship you have a couple of drones. And so the the loop of the game is uh, dock with another ship. Send your drones out. See if there's anything you can salvage, uh, and see if there's any like answers you can get for what has happened. Um, but the thing that the reason it has stuck with me, the thing that I love about it is, it's drenched in aesthetic that is intended to pull you in and make you a drone operator in the far future who is alone in the universe. I do There's, love it when it's immersive. Yeah, it's so, so it's immersive. Um, yeah, get a little closer to the mic there, honey. Hello. Anyways. Um, <laughs> um, it's so immersive. There's no music. So the only sounds you get are the pings of your radar or the sounds of your drones as they move. You control the drones. uh, You can control them with arrow keys, but it's more fun to me. You can control them with, like, uh, code commands, essentially. You can type, like... Oh, cool. Open door one, move drone one to, you know, room three. But the the thing that... uh, And then the other thing is that, like, you have a very 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 focused view of everything you can see initially around your drones um but like and you can zoom out to see like a sort of blueprint of the ship you're on but you don't know what's in each room and Mm -hmm. there are things out there that will fuck your drones up they will eat your drones alive and you can you can go onto a ship and pull a bunch of salvage out and then you just for some reason you stay too long and you open up a wrong room and two of your drones die and you don't have anything anymore you have you have one drone who retreats and then you have to figure out what to do um it's just the, the reason it stuck with me is just like it really immerses you and pulls you in it's a game that you should turn the lights off put headphones on uh, and and play it in scrapper. the dark. Be a scrapper, exactly. Um, and also, it just started getting updates again. It had looked like for a little while it might have been, uh, I don't want to say a dead game or abandoned or whatever, but it, it looked like the uh, developers had some other real-life shit to do and so hadn't updated the game in a while. But um, they have started updating it again, and they're talking about making a sequel. Oh, cool. What uh, system is this on? Uh, it's on Steam. Uh, I figured. It, it might be on Switch, just because so much stuff that's on Steam right. is on Switch. But it's a game that sort of almost requires a keyboard. Um, that makes so, sense. So you it's did probably only typing on Typing in commands. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> you did say that. Um, our next... <laughs> Our next category is fun. Jordan has, ma- Jordan has made some uh, edits... To our next category. This was uh, initially <laughs> supposed to be games you clocked an embarrassing amount of hours in, but I refuse to be embarrassed by enjoying a hobby. <laughs> um, and also, as far as I'm concerned, we're games journalists. 
we've we're, decided. We're bad games journalists, probably, but we are them. With no uh, journal attached. Attached to no journal. The journal is dodge button. <laughs> um, so I've decided this is games you clocked a professional amount of hours in. I played 175 hours of Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. And uh, I don't think it's a game... That honest, like, it doesn't deserve 175 hours. <laughs> I made spreadsheets. I uh, started, I kept a notebook. Um, I still play it like it's 175 hours and counting. I'm still playing Car Mechanic Simulator 2018. It doesn't deserve it. The, the, <laughs> The mechanics are hold down left click, left click, hold down left click, left click. There's nothing to the game, but trying to find the profit margins on what is a good car to buy from a junkyard and fix up, or trying or finding new uh, either DLC or mods that add cars that I think are cool and then getting to rebuild one of those and add it to my collection the the game around the actual mechanics of car mechanic simulator is what has kept me coming back mm-hmm. um, yeah that's that's really all I have to say I've played a lot of that fucking game it uh, amazes me I don't I don't, really don't think any I so the good thing about a lot of the Car Mechanic Simulator series and like um, the company that publishes it, Playway SA, um, they part of the way their business model works is they make it a point to put out demos. So if any of those blank mechanic simulator, there's like motorcycle mechanic, there's tank mechanic, there's a mech mechanic one. Um, uh, a lot of them are developed by different companies, but all published by Playway. Um, a lot of them have demos. So if for some reason it sounds cool to you, you should pick up a demo and play it. Um, like I said when we when I talked about it in an episode, it's really for... I think it's really for people who don't actually know anything about engines, but think engines are really cool. But really think cars are rad. Yeah, that's that's exactly, yeah. It's for people who don't, like, I would never buy a car to tune it or kit it out. I'm not gonna drift, you know, I'm not gonna go, I'm not gonna do anything like that. But it's fun to pretend. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I won't talk about Car Mechanic Simulator too much more. That just that to good, say, good escapism. I've played 180 hours, 175 hours of it, and damn, I can't wait to play some more. I can, man, I can't relate to you on that, but Godspeed. <laughs> it makes me so happy that you love it. I watch that game and I, I crawl into my shell. Yeah, it's, it's like, and the thing is, like, it's kind of broken. Uh, they've basically abandoned it at this point because they put out 2021, but. 2018 has all the DLC, so basically none of the people who are really invested in 2018 are playing 2021. 
<laughs> so it's like, it's not even necessarily in a good development environment anymore. Uh, it, it, for a lot of reasons, goes against like what I would consider a good game. But something about tearing an engine apart and putting it back together and making it shine and putting it in a car and making the car shine and repainting the car and then taking the car out to race it's a you know going to a junkyard and finding that like that incredible bmw that that i hadn't seen before or like a you know i have a like you, a lotus dlc you fucking nerd well you beautiful goddamn <laughs> nerd yeah Anyways, I'm done talking about that game. You, I here's what I want from you. Yeah. Now that, now that I've exposed myself and been vulnerable, I want to yes. know why you have Final Fantasy 12 <laughs> on here. And I s- specifically, I want to know why you have Final Fantasy 12 on here under the original headline of embarrassing. Because as far <laughs> as I know. You're very proud of all the time you've spent in Final Fantasy XII. You know what? 12. You're so right. And because of that, I'm going to give you a number that I am embarrassed about. Just a little. Okay. Just a tiny bit. I'm not embarrassed of my hobbies. But uh, but I am we'll, sometimes embarrassed of how long I do them for. But I did spend 720 hours on Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh my god, Ash. <laughs> You put, hold on, hold on, hold on, to really, I have to back up from my mic, to really put that in perspective, you put (laughs) that game down for six months. Um, at least 220 of those are from this year. I'm, listen, you're embarrassed. I'm impressed. (laughs) Thank you. I am. Please be proud. Please clap. uh, Please clap. I'm so, wow, you're such a, like, more hardcore gamer than me. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You're better at being a a capital G-A-Y gamer. I just get very focused, and I lose track of time. And the next thing you know, uh, you look at your thing, and it says you've spent 720 hours playing Animal Crossing. Which is more, uh, well, maybe not more than I've put into Final Fantasy XII over the years, but I had a 15-year head start on Final Fantasy XII, so, you know. It's more if we consider concentration. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I've played that in the last two years. Um, I... I'm not going to talk about either one of those games um, because I've already talked about both of them at length. Okay. Um, and also, if we go at this speed for the rest of this list, we're going to be here for six years. This is going to be a two-parter. It's going to be 720 hours it's of be dodge. A three-parter. <laughs> um, I will also mention though that the other game I clocked a professional amount of hours in. There you go. Uh, was Dead Cells and the new update or DLC or whatever it was. Uh, it's really fucking good. They've added some really interesting Let's mechanics that have really changed the game. Pause right quick. Yeah. Which, because there's been like three DLCs on that this year. Are you talking All about right, the well, most here's recent the thing. paid I don't one? Think I, 
Well, I've gotten the free ones and the paid ones, and I got them all at once, so I don't okay. really know. So the what answer is, is what update? The answer is all the DLC is good. all the DLCs, all the DLCs. But specifically, I, I agree with this. By the way, everything Asher's about to say, I might not add much, but that's because uh, Dead Cells is a game that Asher and I both absolutely love. Fucking killer! But in the new update. Uh, one of the mechanics that is my absolute favorite that they've added uh, is the ability to carry a shield in your backpack, and then you have a mutation that allows you to use the shield when ro- when dodge rolling. Um, haha, it's the name of the show, Dodge Button. Anyways. No, hold on. Um, you said dodge roll. I know. <laughs> the name <laughs> of the show the is not up. dodge roll. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Nobody <laughs> Anyways, um, but for as someone who really struggled with the shields in Dead Cells, it allowed it's my, me. It's to, the only problem I have with Dead Cells. The shields are bad. I yeah, I I've never really been able to use them, and it finally let me engage with the block and parry mechanic for the basically the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made the game. It it opened up so much of the game. There are so many new areas and new bosses. And it's just, like, a blast. I put probably at least mm, 80 to 100 hours into it again this this year. Um, in the last, like, couple of months, too, huh? You've yeah. Been, you, you haven't, you weren't playing that in the summer. You started playing that in no, the No, I fall. picked that up in the fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just, but I went through a period of time where I was playing it constantly for uh-huh. every day. <laughs> Anyways, that's the end of that category. Good God, we have to speed up. Okay. Um, uh, our next category is what I made. It's a gluttonous punishment. It, these are just really hard games that I liked. Uh, Sekiro and Hollow Knight. Um, uh, I think Sekiro takes the cake over Hollow Knight just because Hollow, Hollow Knight... Knight is our cursed episode, which yeah. <laughs> crashed the pod <laughs> twice in a row. Yeah, that, and it's just like the, the more frustrating of the two. Sekiro, when I do bad in it, it feels like my fault. Hollow Knight, when I do bad in it, it sometimes feels like I'm just being punished for going the wrong way or fighting the wrong thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's fair. But over the year, over the last year, whenever I have found myself, like, really particularly wanting something, like, really difficult and challenging, those are the two games I've turned to. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know Hollow Knight is, like, my favorite game of all time, mm-hmm. and I'm slowly turning into a withered husk waiting for Hollow Knight Silk Song, which I'm beginning to believe will never come. Is, is a fever dream? Is a is hallucination a fever dream. you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A tulpa that we are failing to bring to life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have not, I still haven't played Sekiro, um... But God knows I love Hollow Knight, and maybe someday we'll do an episode about it. But uh, I think it's getting put on the back burner after it got eaten one time and then uh, ate our podcast the next time. Yep. Because that was the episode we were working on, I think, I believe, when we gave up. <laughs> yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say on this one? No, nah, that was it. Excellent. Play, uh, se- so- play Sekiro. It's the best from software game. I you know what there's so many sales maybe it's one of the ones maybe I can get a get a deal homie if you want to try and pick up Sekiro I will I will buy it for you 
Nice. Like, I will buy Sekiro for you just so you can play 10 minutes of it and be like, I fucking hate this buy. <laughs> Which I feel like is what's going to happen. Yeah, that's fine. I just want you to play it. Anyways. Okay. Okay. Noted. Thank you, my friend. Yes. Our next category. Go ahead, Ash. I was going to say the same thing. Our next category is most surprising, which for me uh, was just games that I didn't expect to hit the way that they hit. I want to. Um, can I go first on this? Cause yes, it's, it's I was going to ask if you would. I'm going to be. This is going to be really short because I just started playing this game, um, but I've had it advertised to me a lot on various platforms. It's called Monster Sanctuary. Have you heard of it? I have also had it advertised to me. So on its surface monster sanctuary seems kind of like a like a pokemon ripoff like it, it wants you to be a pokemon fan before you play it mm-hmm. uh which i i am i grew up on pokemon red and blue and you know that early era of that um but i i think monster sanctuary what's the coolest about it is it's actually a really really well done metroidvania Oh, interesting. So you do fight and collect monsters, but really what you're doing is collecting various monsters so that you can build a better team to get deeper into the various levels to fight the stronger monsters to get power-ups. So uh, you fight your way through, like the first sort of section you fight your way through, um, you get um, double jump boots at the end of that. And then that opens up like three or four sections you had already been past. Um, so I really think that, like, if you've ever seen Monster Sanctuary, I've been like, oh, that's a fucking Pokemon ripoff. <laughs> I, re- I really think that the Metroidvania sort of get a power. I definitely <clears throat> did not realize that it had Metroidvania elements. To it's, it. it's not just like Metroidvania elements. It's a Metroidvania that they put Pokemon elements in wild um you can pick a monster that follows you around and each monster has a different special ability they can use in the levels to like unlock shortcuts or help you get to a higher platform um and then the last thing i'll say about it and then i'll stop talking about monster sanctuary the thing that like i really really love about it um i'm the sort of person who loves um like crunchy depth in combat i like it sometimes it can be annoying and bad but i tend to like (laughs) i tend to like games that are like this adds a five percent boost and uh you know this triggers an extra attack the Mm -hmm. depth of combat in monster sanctuary is incredible i think the difficulty is a little too easy i already feel like i'm kind of ripping through it i'm thinking about turning the difficulty up but there's two things that really drive it and one is that there's uh like most games like this that you would think of there's a an element sort of you know strength and weakness circle and then there's a combo meter so attacks that have a lot more hits tend to be weaker attacks but the more hits you do the higher your combo meter builds so there's this really cool back and forth dynamic of do i use an attack that has five or six hits on it but maybe is the wrong element and so it won't do quite as much damage but if i do that early enough then when i do get to my monster that has the good element matchup 
and they maybe don't do as much hits, but they have a higher amount of damage. They'll have even more damage because my combo counter is higher. It's, it's very crunchy, and it's not overwhelming or unnecessary, and I've never felt punished for, like, just building the, the building out the skill trees of my various monsters kind of how I want. It seems like, overall, they sort of all synergize in some way. Um, yeah, Monster Sanctuary. I was expecting to play five minutes of it and never pick it up again, and probably played five or six hours of it already and uh, i'll probably beat it uh so the game that caught me by surprise uh this year was psychonauts 2 um which like listen i was always gonna pick this thing up i really loved psychonauts 1 uh i never played psychonauts 1 psychonauts was one of those games that uh, as a kid i like desperately wanted to play but uh (laughs) never had the money yeah that's i actually played it in college i played it for the first time in college when it was ten dollars on xbox mm-hmm. on the xbox 360 oh that's um, also what happened i never had the money and then i never had an xbox ah yes that'd do it um but yeah so i i knew i was gonna pick it up so it, it wasn't surprising that i enjoyed psychonauts 2 um but what was really surprising to me is that and now before i <laughs> prefacing this with it has been at least six years since I have played Psychonauts 1 if not more um but Psychonauts 1 great story great gameplay maybe not like the most um tactful when it comes to mental illness and the complexities of the human brain um and what what caught me by surprise with Psychonauts 2 was that it was this shockingly complex and compassionate um dive into mental wellness and they really like defined the job of the psychonauts in a surprising way and sort of approached things more thoughtfully than they had in the first one and like the first one was compassionate for sure but it was a little clumsy and this one was like there were some moments that really surprised me with how tender and um, well considered that they were, uh, the way they addressed PTSD and um, just this whole idea that psychonauts aren't there to fix people. They're there to, um, you know, help them be content in themselves. And, and just like, I don't know, it was really, it was really narratively, beautiful but the gameplay was terrible so you know it just what do you do what was what was more shocking the 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 way they handled mental illness and stuff or the game that the game or that i didn't enjoy the gameplay um i mean it kind of it kind of surprised me that i didn't that, that the gameplay was weak in the ways that it was But on the other hand, it didn't because this is a game that's like been trying to get off the ground for so long. Um, And I think it just fell into some of the pitfalls of the collectathon genre and like Mm -hmm. what the first game was. Like if this game had come out closer to when the first one released, it would have been a masterpiece, you know. Um, But it's just clumsy. There was there was stuff that like should have been on a a different kind of menu there was a lot of like having to change 
equip not equipment but like powers in a really clunky way and it just like didn't it didn't I wound up dropping the difficulty uh just because I hated combat so much I didn't want to be in it for very long me with God of War <clears throat> yeah um but I I really like it was absolutely worth it for the story I don't regret it at all and I was really really impressed with the writing so still recommend just maybe okay. play it on easy can you get it on PlayStation? Uh, yeah, that's what I played it on. I might pick it up. I, I all I have is an Xbox 360, so <laughs> well, and a Switch, but like I, I'm not playing new Xbox games. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is ooh. There's always a turn in the dodge button episode. <laughs> we've reached a, a category we've called mm, kind of a letdown. The mm, is definitely an implied part of the title. <laughs> Kind of a letdown. Um, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I was really sad about the game that I had to pick for my mm, kind of a letdown. Uh, because Me too. I, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Outer Wilds Echo of the Eye DLC really didn't do it for me. Um, and as someone who loved Outer Wilds, I was very sad. Like, Outer Wilds was in my top 10 for sure, probably maybe top five. I really, really loved that game. Um, and Echo of the Eye, to be clear, is like a really solid game. It's just not Outer Wilds to me at all. <laughs> like it just didn't vibe with the original I, game. I have read a couple of reviews from Kotaku and Waypoint that said essentially the same thing, that like this was... This was an okay DLC, but it didn't really fit the game. A cool, completely unrelated experience. <laughs> <laughs> and it also, I mean, it dipped into some stuff that I personally find very annoying. It does a lot of the, like, navigate through pitch black darkness, which pisses me off to no end. I talked about that in the control episode. Mm -hmm. That is just not, that is not a mechanic I have ever enjoyed. Um, it's... You're working Mine on a timer. Timers. Yeah, you're you're the, it timers. adds in the timers, and so it's like worst of both worlds. <laughs> um, it's dark and there's a timer, and it's doing this sort of like they they talked about this on on waypoints, but they but because it's this inception world within a world thing, you're trying to balance a timer in like the other reality outside of you, and the it's one just where the like, sun blows up. Right, exactly. So not the weird, dark, creepy horror game dream you fell into. And it just, like, it just wasn't it. <laughs> and it also, because all of the things that I was really intrigued by in Outer Wilds, because this is a completely different, like, species of alien with a completely different history, it just, like, doesn't have any of the same story beats that I cared about. Um Okay. And, uh, shit, there was one more thing I was going to bring up. And I've, I've, oh, and also just, like, I don't know where, if you're a new player, I don't know when you would play this. <laughs> like, I, it, it's, it doesn't. Another, another common, uh, uh, thing I've heard am amongst reviewers is, like, I don't same. fucking know where this fits in. Because it doesn't really work post-game. It's not related to... Like, it would really confuse me if I was a new player and I managed to stop... Because this is just, like, another puzzle in the game, getting to it. And so, like, if I had 
struggled to work out this puzzle and found this shit and then been like, oh my God, what even, what does this have to do with anything? You know, like it would be so confusing. Um, So yeah, that's all I'll say on that. But I loved Outer Wilds. I think it's, I don't want to like, I think it is genuinely a good game in the sense that it is well made. It is not for me. And to me, it is not Outer Wilds. So it was kind of a letdown. Um, I want to talk about Factorio, uh, which if you've listened to our Factorio episode, uh, you heard me talk about how great Factorio was for a long time. I was going to say, that sounds like another one you've put a professional number of hours into. Yeah, I've put four or five hundred hours into Factorio. (laughs) Uh, Not recently, though, because I think it was early in the fall, maybe it was late summer, the studio that uh, makes Factorio is called Woob Studio, and they used to put out these, uh, like, Friday... I think they were Friday features or Friday facts. They were just, like, regular posts to the community. And um, <clears throat> one of them ended up featuring... I can't remember the guy's name, and to be frank, I don't give a fuck if we name him. Um, <laughs> uh, but he's a, an old like IT programming kind of workflow guy, and it turns out he's also really sexist and racist and kind of transphobic. Um, Aren't they always? <laughs> um, and the so like <clears throat> if you've done a lot for a particular field. Uh, of of especially of of something like scientific like computer programming, I think it's okay to to try to have a conversation of separating your triumphs in the field from your failures as a person. Right. Um, and when the community on the Factorio Reddit kind of tried to get together and be like, "Hey guys, this dude's kind of a piece of shit," um, the lead developer of Factorio doubled down and was like, uh, I, I don't care, basically. Mm. Um, and made it pretty clear that, that he, uh, he, you know, was okay with the things this guy had to say and who he was. Um, and also a lot of the really shitty people in the community came out and uh, were, you know, very happy, basically, to see trans people upset and queer people upset right um so unsurprising so you know i put 500 hours into factorio and deleted it and hid it from my steam library and i'll never play it again and that was mm, kind of a letdown (laughs) but uh the plus side is uh i found a game that i do want to shout out um where the developer at least hasn't uh, openly done anything terrible yet, called Factory Town. Um, I think Factory Town is better than Factorio. Uh, Mostly because it's much more chill. It's the same concept. You're just kind of building conveyor belts and logistics routes to get supplies from one place to a place that can process them. But instead of building this instead of colonizing an alien world and, and genociding all of the uh, you know native flora and fauna, uh, you're trying to build a town and you're trying to help people and, and give them the goods they need to be healthy and survive. 
Um, but it's very low stakes factory town. There's not really like a fail state. You can kind oh, of that's nice. Yeah, you can kind of stall out in terms of logistics. You might have to break down a lot of what you've built and rebuild it so that it runs more smoothly. But there's not really a. You can't die. You can't. You don't have to kill anybody or anything. Um, so Factory Town has filled the gap that Factorio left. I'm uh, glad you found something similar. And that is not a letdown. <laughs> Got a little, like, stinger. Uh, <laughs> a little transition fade out from that. Um, Do we want to go into the game changer next? I yeah, guess yeah. that's the order I've written them in. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> Just follow the script. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The non-scripted the, the, script. The 18-page... Long-lined. Uh, <laughs> stage exterior <director> night. <laughs> um, so, next up is our game-changer category, which is probably the most nebulous category I wrote, and the one that Jordan had to come to me and be like, mm, what does this mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> what are you saying? Um, for me, the game that I put into the game-changer category was Supergiant's Hades. Uh, because it took two genres that I am a big fan of, roguelikes and visual novels, and merged them together in a way that I think brings out the, the best parts of both of them. Um, and in a way, merges them in a way that I don't think was has really been done to that extent before. A lot of roguelikes tend to sort of drip feed you lore. Um, the it, It's just a different experience. It tends to be more of a hands-off approach to plot. Um, And the way that Hades managed to both really, really integrate storyline without making you feel like you're being funneled a specific direction was super cool, super innovative, incredible game. I've dropped like at least 120 hours into that thing. Um, just one of my favorite games of all time for sure again maybe someday we'll have an episode <laughs> remember <laughs> another we cursed a, episode remember we were doing a super giant playthrough <sighs> i um, love super giant but that was a mistake that was it <laughs> was not a good plan that we had uh the two games i have on here uh are uh, I think I'm actually only going to talk about one of them because I think the other one is probably my game of the year. Solid. Um, <clears throat> my game changer is Celeste. Uh, I think that Celeste is the best precision platformer to ever have been created. Honestly, un- I don't even like the game very much and honestly, unquestionably a game changer. Like- uh, I think that, uh, especially for me, I don't like platformers until Celeste comes out. Mm-hmm. And I play all the way through it, and it changes my life. But also, <laughs> the thing that I really enjoyed about it was that it was such a touching and emotional and well-written story about coming to terms with the negative parts of you or the things that you view as the negative parts of you 
mm-hmm. more accurately. The things that aren't necessarily negative, but the things that you focus on. It's a story at, on the surface about dealing with anxiety, but it's also a story about dealing with gender dysphoria and a story about dealing with abusive relationships and it's a it's a story you can apply a lot of personal meaning to um uh and the other reason i think it's a a big game changer and then we can move on is because the celeste speedrunning community is queer as fuck hell you yes. are you are more likely love to see it. <laughs> you are more likely to find a uh, a gay or a trans speedrunner in the Celeste speedrunning community than anywhere else, uh, and it's basically on purpose. Um, so I really love that about Celeste. That's amazing. Moving on to our next category: narrative driven bangers. 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 Um, this is, I'm going to pull the same thing Jordan did, which is I wrote down two and I think I'm only going to talk about one because I think one might be my game of the year. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to give a little shout out to a game that I know both of us actually had some friction with. Um, but I think I enjoyed much more in the end than you did, Way which is control. more. Yes. <laughs> um, I really, I thought control part, was a bad game. I know you did. Um, I really, for the most part, had a good good time with Control. I do think part of our problem with our Control episode is that we powered through Control in like two weeks, mm-hmm. which is super duper not a fun way to play Control. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I think it was so good at creating an atmosphere and like committed to its vibe in such a, a, a compelling way. Um aesthetically aesthetically i super agree with you yes and i did i had the um the what's the i can't think of the word no (laughs) um there's like just it's just a word that i can't i can't reach but uh, advantage wow Mm -hmm. anyways um i had the advantage of having played control and on my own time like a year prior Right. So I had a I had a very chill, self-driven experience with control to base off of. Uh-huh. And even though our playthrough this past this year uh, in 2021 was a little too fast, um I, I, I did go back and play control again. It's it's honestly, if you just go through it at your own pace and just explore with no pressure, I think you might enjoy it more. Mm-hmm. Um it I thought it was a really cool ride. It was a wild ride. I thought it was a cool ride. <laughs> That's what I have to say about control. Narrative-driven banger. Uh, mine is Pyre. Uh, mostly because I typically don't care about video game narratives at all. Uh, <laughs> I The types of games I play, I tend to have a hard time following them. I play a lot of roguelikes or a lot of like really big open world RPGs. So I just don't bother paying attention to the main story because God knows when I'll get to the next main story beat. Right. Um, but this is a side quest household, baby. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But Pyre, no matter what choice you made, gave you another narrative story beat. 
every mm-hmm. single time, no matter what happened, you got a new piece of story. Um, yes. And it made me want to... It was... It's the... I think maybe the first game where I had to know how it ended. I had to. I had to know. I could not have done the recording of Pyre that we did if I had not beaten it. Correct. Um, it's also so funny because it's... I knew... Because Pyre has been one of my, like, top five games for yeah, years. You, before we did that episode, you'd been trying to get me to play Pyre for, like, three years. I bought that game for Jordan. You did? Years prior. <laughs> and they never picked it up. I played a couple of minutes of it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it just delighted me so much to see you really, like, attached to it. It was it such was good. a good game. Yeah. I, if you I, haven't played Pyre, you should go fucking play Pyre. That is my favorite super giant game, even above Hades. God damn, I love that game. I might actually agree with you on that. Hades, I have put more hours into, and like I think it's more engaging moment to moment gameplay. But right. like as far as how I was affected yeah. by mm-hmm. the game, Pyre wins it every time. Yeah. Uh Okay, I think that's it for that category. The next category yes. I'm, I'm really excited to get into. We might have to crunch on this a little bit. Um, <laughs> Ash has labeled this next category, You've Activated My Trap Card. <laughs> well, originally there were only card games in it, but we've added into the breach, so it's now become a sort of just strategy catch-all. Mm-hmm. It still counts. Um, do you want to start? Do you want me to start? Uh, I can talk about Into the Breach. I... Uh, I haven't actually played please all that. Tell me, please tell me about it, because it's one of those games that I bet is my shit, but I have never picked up. Oh, Ash, it's your shit. Oh. It's your shit. So, so Into the Breach, the fictional underpinning is the world has been invaded by these aliens, and you control... Off to a good start. Right. You control this squad of mechs, and you have to go Off from... Off to a great start. You have to go from, there. there's four islands in the game, and you have to go through all the islands, and each island is broken up into a couple of sections, uh, and every section is uh, uh, a randomized map. And sometimes there's some, you know, side objectives, but in general, the goal is drive off the aliens before they can destroy things. And there's so much movement and and like thought that can go into it so every mech can do you most mechs do something different you might have a mech who has to get in close and has and can punch the aliens uh but he does a lot of damage and then you might have a mech who has to stay far in the back because it's an artillery mech and it doesn't do quite as much damage but it'll push the aliens apart really well. So you're managing a lot of this like push-pull amongst dealing damage while also making sure that the aliens are out of position. Because what happens is when the aliens the aliens will move and kind of telegraph whatever they're going to do next. Um, so you might have an alien that walks up to a building and indicates that it's going to attack that building. But if you play your cards right, well, your mech's right, you can move two aliens together so that they actually attack one another. Oh, oh, that's cool. And then, and you can do that, you know, if, you, if it's set up right, you can do that with one mech, which leaves you with two more mechs to do something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just really nice to... It's slow, too, which is nice. There's a lot of, you know, kind of deep combat, and it's pretty difficult, but it's a turn-based game, so it's very slow and methodical. And it every time you mess up... It's one of those games... I, I've probably said this a bunch in, in a couple of different episodes, but it's one of those games where my mistakes feel like mistakes I made, not me misunderstanding something or the game not explaining something to me. Mm-hmm. Um, added to that is the fact that every time you lose, if you if you lose outright, um, you go you can go to another timeline. So you get to pick one of your mechs and the pilot in it to go to another timeline with you and start over. Um, yeah, I, I really just enjoy, it's like all so easy to pick up and it's very, it's one of those games that's really easy to learn, but I think really hard to master, but because it's so slow, it never feels like I'm not understanding what I'm doing. Definitely sounds like my shit. And it gives you that, that feeling of being like a, uh, a, a general, a tactics master, you feel like Napoleon. <laughs> I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> I want you um, to tell I'm, me about Slay the Spire. I am. I'm just going to really quick before I get into Slay the Spire, because I feel like I'm going to talk about Slay the Spire for a while. Um, I just want to mention Dicey Dungeons again. I know I talked about it in a previous episode. I, I genuinely won't belabor it, but I think it's a stellar game. I think it's a lot of fun, and it kind of introduced me to the genre, to be fully honest. It was my entry point into... Like deck builders? Deck build. Well, I guess my real entry into deck builders <laughs> was uh, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories. That um, doesn't count. I know it doesn't count. But yeah, so this type of deck builder, it was definitely my my real introduction to it. I think it's a great game. You should play it. Um, that being said, I have played Slay the Spire so much this past month, just nonstop Slay the Spire, dropped mm, a good 45 hours into Slay the Spire. You've, (laughs) I've played about uh, as much Slay the Spire as you have in terms of time, uh, Mm -hmm. and you've basically 100%ed the game in the time it's taken me to barely beat the second boss. I have certainly not 100%ed the game, but I, I, have, I have played a lot, for You've gotten sure. so damn far, though. <laughs> I have, you're right. I've, I've managed to, I've beaten the original, like, set of three bosses with all four of the characters, and I've beaten the secret bonus boss with one of them. And I keep beating my head against, uh, the, the character I have the hardest time with is the Silent, but I really, really like the deck you get with the silent, even though I'm not good at using it. That's like the so I, she's like the the witch, right? She does a lot of like yeah, poison she's damage. got like the skull, yeah, yeah the poison. Yeah. Love her stuff. Um, big fan, first time caller. Um, <laughs> but I just like I I she is the one I str- I have the most trouble with, and for some reason I just keep beating my head against trying to beat the thing with her instead of like going to someone I can play better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I definitely, the character I, I've done the best with has been the defect, who is the robot, who has the, like... Love the robot. My favorite yeah, character yeah, yeah. is the robot. That was the first one I beat the game with. Um, and then I also really like the Watcher, who is the new character. Haven't played the Watcher yet. She rocks. Um, but yeah, I just, I really, I mean, I'm so late to the party here. Everyone has been, has been singing the praises of Slay the Spire for years now. Um, but hot damn, now, a good game. Now anyone who listens to this podcast knows that they were correct. Yeah, that's right. I've decided that it's a good game and that's what matters. <laughs> um, holy shit, it's such a good game. It really, like... The way that it forces you to both, like, think ahead and cope with what's happening in the moment. Um, the decisions that you have to make in terms of relics and your hand and um, what direction you take on the map. And, like, how fighting tougher enemies nets you better rewards, but also, you know, nets your health. These, this risk-reward system is so consistently engaging. It's consistently engaging. Mm-hmm. And even even on the days where I have hit some, like, I have died in a stupid way because I made a stupid choice, and it's made me angry, and I've closed the game, even then I come back, like, half an hour later, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm not mad anymore. Let's play some more slows. <laughs> I just, I cannot put this down. I forgive you, little robot. Right, for real. Well, the robot rarely does me wrong. It's the fucking poison lady. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be good at her decks. I want to be good at her decks so bad. It's such a cool deck. And, like, when you get it working, like, I was hitting points where I was, like, throwing... 30, 40 poison damage at a time at people. Like, it was insane. You could triple people's poison damage. It's yeah, but, so good. Yeah, but then you gotta survive long enough for the poison damage to proc. That's that's the problem I'm having with the Ironclad, who's the opening guy that you get, is mm-hmm. I've recently been playing with him, and it's... He, you, he has mechanics where you can, like, up his strength exponentially, so you can, like... Right. I literally dealt like 180 damage to something the other day god damn um yeah because i was up to like 40 strength <laughs> so this, this is like, a game whatever. for context where you're probably normally dealing like 8 to 10 damage yeah often less than 10 damage um but in order to get those strength boosts i need time to build the strength so i have to survive through this through all of that mm-hmm I'm currently, I actually closed the game most recently on, so once you've beaten the game with the three starting characters, you then get uh, access to these, like, shards, and you have uh, one in each color of the three original characters, and you attain each one in a different way through your run, and if you have all three of them by the time you get to the third boss... Uh, instead of the game ending, it opens a new door and takes you to a fourth floor. Oh, um, shit. Yeah. Um, Damn, I gotta play this game again. It's so fucking good. But uh, I I just, I'm like, if I opened my PlayStation right now and started the game, I would be fighting the final boss, um, and I would be, I have like 
I have like eight hit points left. <laughs> and, I, and like, it's, it's literally, the final boss is about to hit me for like 70 damage. It's like literally impossible for me to survive the next round, but I just exited instead of letting myself get killed. I was like, no, I can't. <sighs> so, just gonna, just gonna get hurt later. <laughs> um,. But Slay the Spire is like two bucks right now on the PlayStation sale. And you it goes really on sale on Steam a lot, too. Really should pick that up. Our next category. I made this one. It's called Play, yeah. the, Play This Together. These are, There's only two games on here. Uh, I don't know if you've played Cuphead. Um, uh, with you, I have. Okay, so... Uh, the game I put, I put both of these games on here, but I'll let Ash talk about Animal Crossing a little more. The game I put on here is Cuphead. Um, I've just started playing it. I picked it up on PlayStation. So my, my wife and I, uh, she might not have been my wife the last time we recorded. I got married. Um, uh, my wife and I have Sorry, I went into utter silence instead of like celebrating <laughs> because... As far as I'm aware, you're engaged. Oh, yeah, <laughs> okay. So. And you're absolutely allowed to call Danny your wife. Yeah. But I was like, I was sitting here and I was like, I'm the best man. How did I miss the wedding? No, no, no. We we're, <laughs> we are technically engaged, but I don't fucking care. We're married it's, now. You absolutely, 100%. I just, the fear <laughs> that went through my body at having somehow missed the wedding. No. Um. No, I promise. Unparalleled. I promise you'll be the probably <laughs> second person to know. Um, yeah, so we've been playing Cuphead. If you haven't played Cuphead, it's um, this. It's a, a game that's been hand animated to look like the old 1930s cartoons. Um, but it's also a boss rush, shoot 'em up, bullet hell type thing. Um, so many words I don't enjoy in that sentence. It's if you yeah I think as a genre like as the genres it is if you don't like them you probably won't like Cuphead, but playing it with another person really for some reason drives that. All right, yeah, let's just do it one more time. Like yeah, we, you, we died, but look how close we got. So when you die in Cuphead, it shows you a little like meter essentially of how far you got through the various stages the boss has god i wish every game would give me that yeah it's so i love cool. it so much it's so it's cool. so helpful it, for my self-esteem it it constantly danny and i constantly will play a boss and be like oh we did so bad and then the death screen will come up and we'll see we were like a quarter from the end and we'll be like all right, the next oh, one. Oh, we did all right. Yeah, I'm like, all right, the next one's it. The next one's it. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, the other thing I like about it is there's it, the mechanics are very varied. There's like a, a parry mechanic. There's the levels change in how you play them. So like typically your, your cup head, you're just running around shooting. Um, but then sometimes you're in a plane. Um, or other times, instead of running around shooting, you're in a mausoleum. So you're jumping on ghosts and parrying them to get rid of them um so there's just like a lot of varied mechanics and then added to that is the fact that you can buy certain power-ups that will 
make your special meter go up faster that will give you different types of weapons that do more damage or cover more parts of the screen um but yeah something about playing it with someone else playing it with a partner really really makes that game just like 10 times more enjoyable because uh it gives me that sort of feeling that uh halo gives i I don't know if, if you've ever played halo but there's a there's a element of halo that is inherently comedic because you're this giant space marine robot and uh you like when you die you turn into a rag doll and sometimes you die because <laughs> you dropped a grenade your own grenade at your feet or your buddy hit you with a warthog um and cuphead has that same feeling where like you'll both dodge try to dodge the last minute and get crushed and die and you're like fuck we both did that we both <laughs> i can't tell you how many times danny and i have turned to each other and be like did we both do that do we both really fucking do that um so Cuphead's just been like super fun to, to couch co-op and I highly recommend it. Uh, if you're, if the person you normally play games with isn't into difficult games, uh, Cuphead does have an easy mode. You can't technically beat the game on, if you play the easy mode, just kind of a bummer, but, um, it is a lot easier and still gives you the joy of it. So I recommend playing Cuphead with someone else. I, I enjoyed when we played it together, despite the fact that I don't want to play it again. (laughs) If that makes sense. I get it. It's not my genre, but I did have a good time playing Cuphead with you. Yeah. I I think the, the, I I was thinking before this about how I think one of the biggest differences between you and I is, uh, I like sometimes the fact that a game is difficult will make me want to play it. Whereas I feel like for you, you don't mind difficult games, but there has to be something you actually enjoy about it to keep you coming back to the difficulty. I really love the implication that you don't need anything you enjoy. Sometimes I just need the game to hate me. <laughs> Sometimes I just need the the motivation to be, bet you can't. I honestly just think you and I vibe with different types of difficulty. Yeah. Because, like, in the same way that, like, I didn't enjoy Cuphead, you really struggled with Hollow Knight. Yeah. And, like, Mm -hmm. that was one whose difficulty doesn't bother me. Right. I think I think it's just that what we find difficult is different, and that's normal. Wow, <laughs> people are people are all different. Weird. The majesty of the human experience. Do you um, do you want to talk about Animal Crossing in terms of playing it together? Uh, I mean, I w- <laughs> I will say here's here's what I will say. There's not much to talk about with Animal Crossing in general, but I will say that me and Danny Jordan's wife fiance i didn't miss the wedding um she's partner partner figure it out whatever um and our friend sabrina uh got together to surprise jordan and uh on danny's island for jordan's birthday um and and i was the first one who turned the game of hit each other with nets to i'm a serial killer with an axe (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday um and that's pretty fun. I cried. That was time. such a beautiful moment. 
Aww. What was so funny is that you, we could not get you on the game, but Danny didn't want to tell you uh-huh. that you needed to get on the game because yep. it was supposed to be a surprise. Yep. So we just sort of like hung out for an hour waiting for Jordan <laughs> to actually play Animal Crossing. <laughs> I did eventually, and it was a beautiful moment. Yes, it was. And then I don't have this one written down because I haven't played it yet, but I'm very excited that the uh, Children of Morta Couch Co-op is officially out. Um, so Ooh. me and my partner will be digging into that probably this week. Might have to um, pick that up, see if Danny wants to play it. Well, we got to play, so- play some more Cuphead. What am I talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we're on to honorable mentions before we, we both admit to what game is our absolute favorite. Uh, yes. I'm going to run through mine real quick because they're pretty short. Uh, yeah, this is a quick category. We're, all, we're in the final stretch here. Lightning rounds here. Um, yeah. My honorable mentions are Hacknet, Landlord of the Woods, and Kingdoms of Amalur, Re-Reckoning. Hacknet is a really cool take on hacking. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting storyline. It's got a lot of really cool mechanics. It's all keyboard based, so you, uh, it's all keyboard based, and not only that, but it uses real command line um, commands. So and Jordan's been learning coding. I have. Uh, I'll actually talk about that more when we get to our game of the year. Um, oh hell yeah! Yeah, so Hacknet's really fun, and it's also just got like a cool aesthetic. There's lots of like moving code and bright lines and uh it's very matrixy landlord of the woods is like a super short like 20 or 30 minute game you solve a bunch of really simple puzzles to try and collect rent from these various uh like mythical creatures there's like ghosts and wolfmen um but my favorite thing about it is that, uh, uh, spoilers for Landlord of the Woods, maybe fast forward like uh, 30, 45 seconds if you don't want to hear them. Uh, my favorite thing about it is uh, at the very end, they invite you to dinner and you're, you, as you're leaving, you're like, oh man, I didn't make any friends. This kind of sucked. The whole conceit uh, at the beginning of the game is like you hate your life and so you're trying to find a new job. Um, and so at the very end, as you're leaving, they're like, what are you doing? You got to come to dinner. Uh, and then they eat you because you're the fucking landlord. Hey. Um, so yeah, that's. When I saw it was landlord. I was like, hmm. Yeah. Where's the twist? Yeah. Where's the turn? At the end, you're like walking home all sad. And then they're like, no, wait, come to dinner. And then the, before it like hard cut to black, they all like pull out knives and they're like, welcome to fucking dinner. <laughs> Um, and then my, my other, uh, honorable mention is Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. Um, if you didn't have, like, a nostalgia factor for this game, I don't think it's worthwhile playing. Uh, I'm also not <laughs> a big fan of the, um, publisher that picked it up, THQ Nordic. Uh, they had some weird, uh, they did some Q&As on 8chan, a year ooh, or two ago, ooh. if you know, eight chan is no good. worse than four chan, which is why it's eight chan. Uh, yeah, so I'm not a big fan of that. But I played Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning uh, as a kid, uh, and before it was re reckoned, right? And <laughs> it's got uh, the so the negatives are that like you can pick up. Uh, quests like every 30 seconds and there's way too many of them i've played 30 hours of the game i'm still in what is technically the like 
tutorial map section. Um, it's not Jesus. all tutorial, but like I could walk, Jesus. I could walk for five minutes and get to where the tutorial was. Um, it, it's probably if I imagine if you played every quest and did everything, it's probably like a hundred and twenty hour game. Uh, and it's not worth it that, <laughs> but the combat for me is what really like keeps me coming back. There's all kinds of weapons, and same with uh, Monster Sanctuary. There's all these skill trees, and you can mix and match the skill trees to unlock certain effects based on how many points you've put into. There's three skill trees: strength, uh, magic, and rogue that's not what they're called but there you go um and if you put like a certain amount of points into strength and uh magic you get a teleport instead of a dodge um and if you put more points into like just rogue then your stealth gets like super good and you can shoot your bow from further away so there's a, a just a really deep character building that i really enjoy and then on top of that the combat is just so weighty it's really repetitive but it's just so every time you land a hit you're like i fucked that wolf up with my hammer or when you throw your chakrams, which are these magical discs that always come back to you and they're usually covered in like fire or lightning, you feel like you're decimating all of the bad guys around you. Um, yeah, I so I really enjoyed Kingdom of War. I have not played this game yet, but I saw the trailer before I knew that it was a game Jordan was familiar with. And. It was because it's one of the um, it was one of the PlayStation Plus games this mm -hmm. past couple November. months. November, um, and I was like, Jordan, one of the PS Plus games is the most video game ass video game I have ever seen in my entire life. And I responded with, Oh, you mean Kingdoms of Amalur? Because uh, it is, it is a video game ass video game. It is every person you meet is like, go kill these five things and bring me their hides. Or walk out into the forest and pick up these plants and bring them back to me. Um, and there's elves and, and dwarves. And, um, oh, the other thing I really like about it, though, is the main narrative and a lot of the lore is written by R.A. Salvatore. Uh, mm, yeah. So it's, like, pretty well written. The voice acting leaves a bit to be desired, but the actual lore and writing is really, really good. What about you, so Ash? so bad on the lightning round thing. Um, <laughs> well, now you have to be faster than me. That's okay. I, w I, I don't have a lot to say on any of these um, because I've mentioned all of them in a previous episode, I believe. Uh, my honorable mentions are Graveyard Keeper, Signs of the Sojourner, and Spiritfarer. Um, I know I've said before that Signs of the Sojourner kind of let me down, um, but I really do think that the things it was doing right, it was doing really, really right. And um, had I liked it more, I might have included it in the Game Changer section because I just I think it was a really interesting take on that sort of card-based combat mm -hmm. in a totally different um, context. Um, Graveyard Keeper is just a weird creepy game that is very addictive and it's just a management <laughs> it's a mm -hmm. weird 
graveyard management game. My favorite thing about Graveyard Keeper, because I've played it too. My favorite thing about Graveyard Keeper is I've played maybe 40 or 50 hours of Graveyard Keeper. Not I, a clue what I've done. I, yeah, I could not tell. You could put a gun to my fucking head. I would have no idea what I've done in that game. It baffle. It's a baffling game. And it's so remarkably not user-friendly when you first start. Yep. Like, the, the number of things I had to Google. I, like, I, I think the thing about Graveyard Keeper is you should really, really, really realize that it doesn't matter what you do. Just pick a thing and do it. Just go do a thing. You're, you'll be fine. Um, and then uh, Spiritfarer, really beautiful little indie game where you take over for uh, the Boatman of the River Sticks and you help people uh, find their, their peace and move on into the next life. Uh, I didn't quite finish it, uh, but I really enjoyed it. It's really relaxing. It's really cute. There's really a hug sweet. mechanic. You can hug everyone. <laughs> so important. Okay. So let's get to the reason we're all here. The game of the not this year, but kind of this year. Our game of this game of this year. Get our game of this year Goatee. that we play. Game of this year. Go T. <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to? Um, have we talked about Caves of Cud before on an episode? I can't remember. I don't, I might have mentioned I, well, it. you would have. I, I, I don't have. know if I've talked about it. Okay, then we'll save yours for last since okay. we, since it's something new or at least new-ish. Okay. Um, so my game of the year, uh, and I hadn't quite decided on which one it was going to be until we were recording this, but I think my game of the year is going to be Disco Elysium. This is a wild choice to me. <laughs> I had a feeling it might surprise you. This is a wild choice to me because Disco Elysium was a good game that we both enjoyed, but it was also a game that was broken as fuck, and I don't think either of us actually finished it. Oh, I finished it. Oh, okay. Oh, I finished it. I couldn't. And that's and that's part of why I know in my heart that this is right. Because I experienced so many fucking problems with this broken-ass game. <laughs> and, and you still love it. And I soldiered on, and I finished it. And, I, and despite the very, very ending was not what I hoped it would be. But aside from that, I had just an incredible experience the whole way through. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was originally, I think it was one of the ones I had put into the Game Changer section. Yep. Um, and then was like, nah. Oh, no, I put it in narrative-driven <coughs> bangers. Anyways, it is for sure a narrative-driven banger. Um, just Why is it your, hold on, though. Why is it your game of the year? In Disco Elysium, you play as the world's most pathetic dirtbag. Um, so already we're off to a very relatable start. Um, but it, it, the world building in Disco Elysium is so impressive at what it does. Um, and we talked about this, we've done a deep dive on Disco Elysium. I think it's our most listened to episode because it's the only time we've ever done a relevant new game <laughs> as a deep dive. 
all of the listens for our whole channel. Uh-huh. Um, but it manages to, in using things like it, it takes, it steals words from French, from Spanish, from, uh, it, and, it, and it like tweaks them, just it tweaks the spelling just a little bit or the pronunciation or the context um, so that everything feels familiar but wrong, which is perfect because you were playing an amnesiac. And so it like really puts you in this position of it feels like you should know what's going on around you, but you don't. It is just to the left of reality. Um, and it's so interesting to chase those plot lines and to figure out what's different and what's the same and what is sort of an allegory for itself and just like moving through this world. I, I, I gotta wish it was less broken. And to be fair, we played it. Um, I played it on PlayStation right after the, the PlayStation version dropped. And I think they have patched out a lot of the bugs that I experienced, but Jordan hit a game breaking glitch on the computer version. So yeah, there um, was a, a door that I tried to go through that would crash the game every time. Mm-hmm. Which was heartbreaking. I was loving watching you go through the game, but you know, <laughs> um, and just your ability to curate your experience. Like there are certain plot lines that if you're not interested in, you don't engage. You just don't engage with them. Like you follow what interests you in the story, um, and in that way, you really craft your narrative around what what you care about. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, it was one of those, it's another one that I've never been able to stop thinking about. I think it was a stunning piece of art that I deeply enjoyed. Okay. Wow. What a way to sum that up, Ash. And it is such a shame that the game <clears throat> decided you weren't allowed to play it. Yeah. Such is the bread. Such is the bread. Uh, my game of the year is Caves of Cud. Uh, I'm not sure if I've talked about it before, uh, like, in detail. I've probably mentioned it. I know it. you've talked, I know you have brought it up to me, but I don't know if you have mentioned it on the podcast. It's a game that I want everyone in the world to play. Wow. Um, it's, uh, roguelike at its core, um... They did just recently release a new really big feature update and they completely reworked character generation uh, and as part of that they added some modes that make it a little easier. So now you can play in such a way where you checkpoint every time you get to a new city uh, or you can play in such a way where... Um, Almost all of the enemies are neutral to you instead of attacking you. Mm -hmm. And so you get more experience from, like, socializing and finding new places than from combat. So typically in case of Cud, um, the, like, combat is how you gain a majority of your experience. Um, but... The thing about Caves of Cud that I enjoy, there's several things, but one of the things that I, I really love is how handcrafted everything feels. There's mountains and mountains and mountains of lore. 
Um, there's systems upon systems upon systems upon systems. You can cut off a robotic arm and attach it to your robot friend. You can uh, butcher an animal and, and cook different things with the various parts of it. You can, um, you know, if, if you spend enough time getting infected by various mushrooms, you can become friends with the mushrooms. Um, is this is this the game that Danny and I were convinced had a visual glitch for like yeah. 30 minutes? Yep. yep. It didn't, by the way. We just no, didn't the, understand the, the water animation. <laughs> the water animation and also the trees glimmer. There's a, a very specific tree that flashes in and out. It's like a quantum tree. It like flashes in and out of reality. Yeah, and we definitely <laughs> thought that your game was busted <laughs> yeah yeah it's got very simple graphics um it'll run on literally any computer um and it's just so much fun you can you everywhere you go is new and there's so much lore that you find and you know a good portion of it is randomized so you'll find different lore on every run the map is different on every run um it's a game that's actively being worked on and has been actively worked on since like 2015 oh damn it's just such a fun roguelike uh in keeping with the theme of this episode it's got an incredibly deep character building system where you can pick different mutations and there's a whole different set there's like uh you know 90 different skills you can pick and and mix and match and they'll do different things and you can. Uh, I had a run one time where uh, a negative trait that I started with was I had an evil twin who <laughs> every time I entered a new screen, there was like a 10% chance my twin would show up. Uh, and I was That's the funniest status effect I've ever heard. <laughs> I was having a good run. I had run into my evil twin two or three times and killed them. Um but then, Not good enough. Yeah, but then like the fourth or fifth time they showed up, uh, they had all the same equipment as me and absolutely murdered me. Um, and I got an achievement for that. So Called. I was really proud of that. I, it's actually a really hard achievement to get in the game, apparently. Um, huh. The, the last thing I'll say, I think the reason that it is my game of the year besides just how incredible it is to play and explore and learn um is that the community is one of the best gaming communities i've ever been a part of um it's a uh openly anti-fascist uh discord hell yeah you love um, to see it <clears throat> and the modding scene is incredibly supportive to the point that I taught myself um, like a little bit of XML to start modding it. And then I decided I really wanted to get into C sharp, but C sharp is a, a you know kind of a mid-level language. It's, it's a little hard to understand to just like re read in human language. Um, so instead, uh, to get like a good foundation, I started learning Python. 
uh, and I've I'm uh, you know I'm fairly competent in Python now because I started playing Caves of Cud. So uh, beyond being a game that has affected the way I think games can be made and should be made and how they should act, it's a game that has actively affected my actual life. That's um, so cool. So. Caves of Cut is my game of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's my game of the year for a long time. Absolutely excellent. Um, thank you so much for sitting through this two-hour episode of Dodge Button. Yeah, I'll cut um, it down to an hour and a half. Nah, nah. This is our, <laughs> our grand return. Right. We got. We have so much time to make up for. This is our interstage left pursued by bear. Pursued by bear. Oh, you love to see it come full circle. Um, so before we head out, uh, we just wanted to talk about uh, the podcast going forward since we did just sort of disappear without a trace. Um, we're going to try not to do that anymore. We're going to try not to do that again. We we have sort of reevaluated our relationships with both the podcast and gaming um, and think that we are going to switch to a much more sustainable model of once a month. We're going to do end of the month uh episodes we'll probably Um, still bounce between sort of just chatting about games we've played and deep dives although i imagine we might do more deep dives since we'll have a little bit more time between games right exactly i think probably what we'll be looking at are deep dive episodes with sort of like bonus by the way this is the other stuff i've been playing kind of stuff added in so maybe a little bit longer episodes but a little less frequent because mm-hmm. that who that that once every two weeks was killing us yeah so uh, so it'll be end of the month uh i don't think we've really picked a day yet but whenever the next episode comes out that will be the day that it will come out regularly yes we will we will set a schedule and we will do our best to keep to it sorry for disappearing but you know it's been a year. I think everyone, <laughs> I think everyone will agree. It's certainly been uh, maybe two years. It's only uh-huh. been seven months, but it's maybe been two years. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it for today's episode of Dodge Button Podcast. Our theme song is BitQuest by Kevin McLeod. That's right. The us. theme song hasn't changed. That's what. <laughs> can you imagine? We just rebranded. <laughs> Whole new new pod, new me. Um, you can email us at dodgebuttonpod at gmail.com or DM us on Twitter, which I think I still have us signed in to the Dodge Button Twitter on my phone. Uh, if I don't, I'll fix that. <laughs> uh, if you can, please rate and review and don't forget to subscribe. I've been Ash Vernon. I've been Jordan Hamilton. Thank you for listening. Okay, bye, Ash. I love you. Goodbye, Jordan. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>